0: I'm Ryan Miller, Crops Extension Educator. Earlier this morning, we recorded an episode of the Strategic Farming Field Notes program. Strategic Farming Field Notes is a weekly program addressing current crop production topics. A live webinar is hosted at 8 a.m. on Wednesdays throughout the cropping season. During the live webinar, participants can join in the discussion and get questions answered. An audio recording of the live program is released following the webinar via podcast platforms. Thanks, and remember to tune in weekly for a discussion on current cropping and crop management topics. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of Strategic Farming Field Notes for the summer of 2023. So to wrap things up, we were thinking about covering uh, something a little bit different as we prep for fall here, Uh, basically looking at harvest, what can we do with in terms of grain storage prep and also uh thinking about markets a little bit so again thank you to uh or thank you for coming to strategic farming field notes this is a program from university of minnesota extension and these sessions are brought to you by with generous support from the minnesota uh, minnesota soybean research promotion council as well as the minnesota corn research promotion council so we have two guests today one is dr ken Halavang. he is from north dakota state university he's an extension engineer and then later we'll be talking to Ed Usset. He is our University of Minnesota um green marketing specialist. Uh, so both of you thank you for coming. We're going to start off with Ken talking about, you know, what can we think about in terms of our grain storage whether it's bins, equipment going on. So Ken, we'll start you off. What uh should growers be prepping for this time of year? A lot of times we um you know might be busy getting ready for harvest or just know, really not thinking about it quite yet. And sometimes, you know, our grain bins, they might get neglected a little bit and might think after the fact, like, oh, I should have been maybe in here cleaning or getting some equipment fixed up before harvest actually starts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And good morning, everyone. The the traditional saying is, if you can tell what was in the bin last year, it's not clean enough for this year's crop. And I I go one step beyond that Uh, with all of the aeration floors and and duct work that we have today. I encourage people to to think about those areas as well. Uh, It's difficult to get under the floor and, and do any cleaning, but particularly if we've had an insect infestation in the past, maybe this is a time where we need to do some empty bin fumigating to try to make sure that we don't have any insects from last year sitting there waiting for this year's crop. But it is critical that we uh, make sure that 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 bin is ready. Uh, That's protecting all of our investment from the year. So, you know, it's, Kind of common sense things, but get in the bin, look for any uh, collection of of material that needs to be removed, any holes that might be showing up. One of the common areas is where the bin steel meets the concrete, making sure that that's sealed up nice and tight. Uh, The other thing that maybe we would overlook is the fan. Uh, We're really, expecting, I guess, all of our grain bins today to, to have some type of aeration system. So we should make sure that that system is up and functioning. Uh, turn the fans on, make sure that the, uh, the system is clean and, and we have not had rodents or something get in there and, and mess things up for, for the fall. Another aspect to think about is that some of the bins today have automatic control systems. And making sure that we go through and and make sure that those are functioning the way they should be. Uh, Many of them need to be calibrated. and So making sure that we've done all that prep work gets those bins ready then for this coming year. Normally in this area, we don't do a whole lot of bin treatment, but particularly if we're going to leave the grain in the bin into next summer, uh, that is recommended that we come in with some type of approved insecticide bin treatment to make sure that we're repelling those insects.
0: Yeah, I think that's a key question that I get a lot as an entomologist is you know insects come up and a lot of times doesn't it seem like we get the questions well uh to the point where grain's starting to spoil and it's largely too late to treat isn't that at that point so the preventative treatments are really what we're looking for there
1: absolutely and uh maybe we'll just touch a little bit on if we still have grain in bins uh, i think most of the guys try to get it stored for one year or so it's out of the bin before next year's crop comes in. But late in the summer is when we do see a lot of insect infestation. Uh, I encourage people, even though we're talking summer temperatures, to try to keep it cool, uh, keep that grain as cool as we can. Uh, Optimum temperatures as everybody is aware Right, it is right around 80 degrees, and so we want to do whatever we can, maybe venting the top of the bin, uh, running, if we get a cold night now coming into late August, uh, get that grain as cool as we can, uh, waiting for uh, marketing of the grain or whatever
0: we're going to do. So uh, one last uh, note with that one too is if anyone is applying insecticides in their grain bins, just remember in Minnesota, we do need additional certification for that if you want to apply fumigants. Um, it's kind of just more of a little bit more of a safety hazard there for the person applying. And that kind of leads into my next question is um, when it comes to safety in our grain bins, are there any things to specifically keep in mind um, that we can look at either on the maintenance side or in general as we get into um emptying things out hopefully but then also getting the new crop in
1: yeah the first thing that comes to mind is is there's a process that's called lockout tag out and uh anytime we're going to be working around that equipment it's important to make sure that there's no way that that equipment is going to start whether it's uh augers or, or any other uh grain moving equipment, it's critical that, that those not be uh, automatically starting or someone else inadvertently starting it when you're in there. Uh, so yeah, the, just the, the conveying equipment needs to be uh, dealt with in, in a very safe manner. That's probably part two of preparing the the bin for this year's harvest is to make sure that, you know, all that equipment is lubricated and and ready for this coming year. Uh, The other thing that we hear a lot about is is grain entrapment and working around grain that that has the potential to kind of act like quicksand, uh, really is a danger and so uh, we're not going to spend a bunch of time this morning talking about all those safety hazards but if you're not familiar with grain entrapment what leads to being pulled into the grain uh, or covered up by the grain and what are the rescue procedures uh, I encourage everybody to to spend a little time and become familiar with that the unfortunate thing on farms is that many times it's family members that are are working with us on uh, moving grain and we don't, like our safety specialist says, it's one thing to, the, for the farmer to get hurt, but if, if your son or daughter or somebody else gets hurt, uh, that that really is devastating.
0: Yeah, no, we hear stories every now and then. It seems like, you know, once every couple of years, at least within a given area, you might hear uh, something like that happening. So that's something we always like to remind folks about there and, uh, you know, be safer on that end of things where, you know, even just making sure to have yourself secured and tied off. um, That's always a good reminder to people there. Uh, One thing kind of we had some questions about uh, earlier is, you know, what's kind of new in the grain bin world essentially uh it's you know it's a lot of changes or something that's really just the same old same old but you know is there kind of anything new and interesting coming down the pipeline that growers might want to be aware of if they are looking at investing in a new grain bin setup
1: well i think you know like you said there's there's some things that are old and some things that are new uh we haven't always adapted all the old things yet so i'm going to touch on that first Temperature is a real key part of storage management. And and the bins that we have today, the only way that we know what that temperature profile is, is to have temperature cables in the bin. Uh, And so I strongly encourage people to to have temperature cables. That is part of the grain management. Uh, And then the other thing is just making sure that our storage expertise is there <laughs> um more and more we we like to buy controllers and systems to take over and and do the job for us and all of those are nice tools but we still need to know how to manage that stored grain and i encourage people to to spend time I kind of remind people of the definition of management. Management requires that we have some technical expertise uh, and then we're applying that. And so each year puts different challenges to us. And so knowing those fundamentals allows us then to apply the, the proper management strategy. Uh, aeration fans, when to run those fans, safe moisture contents, uh, all those kind of things vary depending on how we're planning to, to store that grain. When we start looking at new tools, uh, we're hearing more and more about being able to measure the moisture content of the grain that's in the bin. The way that the companies are doing that is that they're actually measuring temperature and relative humidity, and then uh, calculating what that moisture content would be. Any error in measuring either one, particularly the relative humidity, is gonna cause the moisture meter reading to be considerably in-air. So it's a nice tool, but I wouldn't totally rely on on those to to give us an accurate moisture measurement in the bin. Another tool that's being used some at this point is measuring the carbon dioxide level. Both insect activity and mold growth produce carbon dioxide. And so if we can measure the carbon dioxide level and see that increasing, it indicates to us that we have problems. The research has been done to show that that works very well. But when we start looking at it in a a farm storage or in the actual environment, it comes with some challenges. I'll just put it that way. The concept is good, uh, knowing where to put the the meters or measurement sensors, uh, how we run the system when we're measuring that carbon dioxide all become important parameters to determine whether we have accuracy or not. So I think that we're going to see more and more of the carbon dioxide a uh, measurement as an indicator. Uh, another tool that's out there that I don't see very used very much is the, the little instrument that measures whether we have insect activity. Uh, basically, we're using a sensor to, to measure movement of insects within the bin again a wonderful tool. Uh, Typically if we manage our stored grain in the northern region we don't have a whole lot of problem with insects so we have not seen that utilized very much, Uh, probably more in the southern states than what we we see up here.
0: Yeah that's a good uh, kind of reminder there too just in general insect mold growth um, all related to moisture a lot of times it seems like and I think that's kind of what we'll have to end on for the the green storage side of things is, um, yeah, just these ideas to help keep your moisture down. And obviously the crop going into that uh, definitely affects things, but no, we'll see what fall has in store for us. Maybe we'll have a pretty dry crop. We don't have to dry down too much, but that remains to be seen too. Uh, You never know what the weather patterns might change for us here. Um, So again, thank you, uh, Dr. Halibang. Um, Feel free to hang around in case we get some questions here. Otherwise, I think we'll move over to the grain marketing side of things with uh, Ed Assant here. So Ed, good to have you on this morning here too. Thank you um, for
2: inviting me, Anthony. Yeah.
0: Do you want to have uh, just quick rundown of, you know, what are grain prices looking like right now? And um, kind of what are you expecting or why are you expecting they are where they are now? And the uh, perennial question of where do you think they're going to go in the next you know coming months at least or during harvest season at least?
2: Okay, Anthony, I'll give it my best shot, but first I have to uh, uh, lean on a little bit of what Kenneth was talking about storing last year's grain. He's talking about the challenges of storing last year's grain this time of the year. And my only comment is, I sure hope you're not storing last year's grain right now. It hasn't worked. Uh, Here just a week ago, uh, Pro Farmer, very popular publication, comes out every week. They they put out a recommendation to sell the rest of your 2020 corn crop. This is in mid August. Now I talk about something called the 11th commandment of grain marketing. That is you shouldn't be holding unpriced corn and soybeans beyond July 1. I'll take it a month earlier for spring wheat. And why is that? You've got a couple of powerful forces going on. The tendency of new crop futures to trade lower Uh, from spring to fall, and also uh, the tendency for basis to go from spring highs to harvest lows. So here's profile. They do this every year. They hold on to grain. Some of it, they call it their gambling stocks, uh, maybe 10 or 15% well into August. So they I think it works about once every five years. If you and I were walking into a casino and I said, you got about a 20% chance of uh, uh, coming out of here whole, you'd probably go through it. You'd probably entertain yourself in a different way. So anyway, they made the recommendation when corn prices were under $5 for essentially the first time the whole crop year. Uh, much of the crop year, anyone listening here, could have sold six dollar corn, and only in the last uh, month or so did we slide into that five dollar range, and now under five dollars. Um, the new crop corn futures at four eighty three this morning. Uh, that's a dollar fifteen off where it was at the start of the year. We've got new crop bids for corn, four forty to four fifty a bushel uh, cash price. Those are the lowest we've seen, according to my records, going back to December of 2020. Uh, Corn is on the defensive. We had a big surprise in the June 30th uh, uh, acreage report. We added a lot of corn acres, took away soybean acres. The soybean market is holding up much better. Um, But the, the bottom line is corn is on the defensive. We've got a good crop coming in here. I want to uh, caution Minnesota producers. Our crop is a mixed bag in Minnesota. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, the latest uh, uh, crop conditions report has the Minnesota corn crop and soybean crop less than 50% good to excellent. Doesn't happen very often. I can only find six or seven other years like that, but we're barely under that 50% mark. We're going to have uh, an okay crop, but certainly not uh, a record setter. We're gonna come up below trend, but don't get hung up on your own backyard, people. You gotta see the whole picture. And if you look at the whole picture, the U.S. crop is gonna be okay, not gonna be a record setter, but modestly below trend. You take a, a good crop combined with poor exports, poor, uh, really lagging demand, and you end up with cash prices at their lowest level in uh, over two years, close to three years. That's where we are as we go into harvest. Soybeans, as I say, have held up better than November. New crop uh, soybeans currently at about $13.40. That's only down 50 cents from a high level at the start of the year. Uh, we've got new crop bids under $13 a bushel. Not fun. Uh, those are the lowest prices we've seen for uh, almost two years. I think I have to go back to December of 2021. And spring wheat, good grief, I'm getting motion sickness watching the spring wheat market. Uh, uh, wheat is a uh, our poster child for poor demand we are for, USDA is forecasting wheat exports by the U.S., uh, total wheat exports by the U.S. in the current crop year at the lowest level since 1971. That's not a misstatement,
0: 1971.
2: That's a little while. Oh, that's a long time. And, uh, We talk, you know, there are terrible things going on in in Russia and Ukraine and Ukraine being the breadbasket of Europe, a very important player in the world of wheat. Uh, We read terrible things going on there. Production is down. Their ability to export is down. I think one of the most terrible things that uh, the Russians have done this summer is they went and bombed the export facilities that Ukraine has on the Black Sea. Which means that even if this end by even if this war ended tomorrow by some miracle, uh, they don't have the capacity to export. It might take them six months or a year to rebuild those facilities to get back into the swing. Having said all this, we're waiting for we uh, on on our side of the Atlantic, in uh, Canada and the U.S. We read about the troubles in Ukraine, and we keep waiting for it to show up in our export numbers, and it doesn't. We're just exports are still lagging. Uh, Ironically, uh, Russia has had a couple of great years in wheat production, and they have filled the gap uh, quite nicely. Fact is, September 23, uh, Minneapolis spring wheat contract. Traded a life of contract low, I believe, in the last two days at around seven seventy a bushel. We got cash prices at uh, seven dollars and thirty cents for new crop, right, give or take. You know, up and down the uh, valley, seven dollars and thirty cents. I got to go back uh, more than two years to June of two thousand twenty-one to find those numbers.
0: So did yeah, have a quick question that came in for you. Uh, this related to wheat too, and now, some folks, I think we've talked uh, prior about uh, Northwest Minnesota, but when you get further south in the state and there's some people trying to grow wheat, then they run into the problem of, well, and the elevators are taking it nearby them. Um, have you heard much about what's going on in that realm of things in the, the local realm too? And just, you know, if someone wants to grow wheat, uh, what do they have to keep an eye out for when it comes to actually selling the grain?
2: Well, but what they need to keep an eye out before you plant wheat, if this is an issue in your area, Before you even plant it, call around and find out who will be taking it. What has happened over the last 30 years, we're seeing corn and soybeans, uh, the corn and soybean belt uh, continues to move west and north and uh, areas in the Dakotas where when I was a wheat buyer many years ago, it was all wheat country. It's not wheat country now. It's corn country. It's soybeans are more important than wheat. And a lot of elevators have made the switch to handling those grains and they, you know, some facilities just can't handle all those grains. So they have to make a choice and uh, check that out beforehand. Don't Don't just put it in the ground without figuring out, okay, where do I have to go with this grain? You can always bring it down to the cities, but that's a long
0: drive. Yeah, it's a challenge if someone has a couple hour drive just for you yes. um, know one semi load. There, um, we yes. got uh, just a couple minutes left. So, unless you have any kind of wrap up comments, my last question for you is just you know, what can we maybe expect in the future here? As much as we can um, try to take a stab at guessing on mm-hmm. things, but yeah, you know, what trends are you kind of starting to see that might be shaping up in the future here?
2: Two things I want to talk about first of all, short term. Yeah, you know, first of all, my predictions and $5 will get you a cup of coffee anywhere in the Twin Cities. But I do, my my gut feeling says, we're gonna have an early low in these markets. That is somewhere in September before harvest starts, we will reach our lows. Does that mean we're going straight back up? Uh, no, but I I'm, I'm thinking early lows. And if we can look out further, look out two to three to four years. Uh, We've got a boom coming in the soybean crushing industry in this this country. I am aware of something like 16 announced expansions of soy crushing uh, capacity in this country. That's going to demand in the years ahead, many more soybean acres, which is gonna take even more acres out of wheat maybe chip away at corn, maybe chip away at the specialty crops, the barley, the cotton, the, uh, and other commodities. If this comes to pass, uh, it could create a very interesting supply and demand uh, dynamic two to three years out. And that's the positive note I'll leave things on. All right. Well,
0: yeah, thanks for that, Ed. Um, Ken, did you have any thoughts? coming up too after the conversation here, otherwise? No, I think,
1: yeah, uh, you know, we can hope for a nice dry fall and the harvest goes well. I guess one thing we fought the last couple of years is soybeans that end up too dry. And I'll be putting out some information on how to, to adjust that moisture content uh, through some, conditioning uh with with the fans but we got to be very careful doing that so look before you make that choice uh you might want to consult some information
0: all right well thanks both of you uh so again for everyone today we had dr ken halibang on and then ed uset who are talking about grain storage and also grain marketing so hopefully this gives everyone just a little bit of a Primer and kind of getting ready for prep for harvest season and what we can expect as we start to transition away from growing the crops to actually you know, harvest and selling them. So again, thank you for both of you for being on. And thank you for everyone who has attended all of these uh, webinars over the entire summer here. So again, strategic farming field goals, this is our last episode of the summer We'll will be back again next year. But in the meantime, we do have our strategic farming Let's Talk Crops program that starts up in the winter, about uh, early January or so here. So again, we want to thank our sponsors, Minnesota Soybean Research Promotion Council, Minnesota Corn Research Promotion Council, and all the farm families in Minnesota that contribute to those uh, checkoff dollars there. Otherwise, have a safe harvest, everyone. And again, thank you for listening to Strategic Farming Field Notes.